Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. We are beginning a brand new series today, going through the book of James, and we'll get into that in just a moment. Uh, but want to just highlight again, Pure Adventure is this coming Saturday. If you're a, a, a dad with a son or multiple sons and you have already registered, then you're good to go for this weekend. If you have not registered, it is not too late. We would love to have you be a part of the event and, uh, or volunteer. We have several of you that have uh, registered online to volunteer at the event as men. And so uh, if you want to be a volunteer, go online, pureadventure.com. You can register and register to volunteer all on the same website. And uh, we look forward to this coming Saturday. And then our iClub retreat is coming up on November the 4th through the 6th. And um, we have several that have already registered to go. If you have a 5th through 8th grade student and you want them to participate in this retreat, then uh, go on the Church Center app, and when you click Sign Ups at the bottom, you'll see uh, the retreat logo on there. Click on that. It'll take you through all the steps to be able to do that and uh, pay the deposit to be able to reserve your spot. One thing I want to mention on that, we talked about it last week, but just want to remind you, out in the lobby, on, uh, right by the, um, the window area here, there are envelopes, and they have numbers on them. And uh, what you can do, this is an opportunity, it's a creative opportunity that they came up with for you to be able to donate to go toward funding a student to be able to attend the retreat. So if uh, every, every dollar matters and it goes toward helping those students and everything that they need to get there, but uh, if you grab the envelope that has uh, the number five on it, then what you'll do is put $5 in the envelope and turn that in, or you can grab the one, it's one all the way through 100, you can grab the one that says 90 if you want to give $90. I know we love having the opportunity to be able to uh, do that ourselves, to invest in the students. And this is one way, you may not be going on the retreat, but it's one way that you can invest in what God's going to do at the retreat. And so um, on your way out today, you can grab that envelope and you can drop it off uh, immediately today or if you need to take it and bring that back next Sunday with you, you can do that as well. Um, and we greatly appreciate that. So I want to make you aware of that again. So today we are jumping into the book of James, and this is something that... Um, we love, we love doing this. We've gone through Ephesians, we've gone through Galatians. During the summer, if you're here in the summer, uh, we went through the teachings of Jesus. And uh, in an extended series, we talked about a lot of the things that Jesus said. Um, today, I'm, I'm excited to kick off the book of James. And hopefully, come on, anybody ever read the book of James? Come on, some of y'all are like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I want to raise my hand on that or not. But um, James, is, James is a great, great, great letter for you to read in the Bible. We would call it a book of the Bible. It was a letter written to uh, certain individuals during that time. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. Every time we go through a specific book of the Bible, I want to encourage you to read that book of the Bible every day from now until this series ends. Um, I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you, even in your home, at your kitchen table. Uh, if you have it on audio, you can listen to it driving down the road. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to you uh, specifically. And so be reading it one chapter a day. I think if you read it one chapter a day, I think you would read through it six times, I believe, uh, during this, this period for this series. And so this series is going to take us all the way up to the week of Thanksgiving. And so uh, I'm excited about what God's going to do as we just go directly into his word and go verse by verse through what James wrote down. And so I want to just jump in 
um, and read verse 1 and then answer some questions that I, I jotted down in my notes here that I think are important. Here's what verse 1 says. James jumps in. He says, this letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad, greetings. Now, one thing that always stands out to me is he says, I'm a slave of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Wouldn't you love to be able to say that about your life? In fact, let me ask you this question. You don't have to raise your hand. Are you able to say that? I mean, are you, are you to the point in your walk with the Lord to where you're able to say, I am just doing whatever God wants me to do? I am no longer living. It's just I'm living for the Lord, and the Lord, like the Holy Spirit, is living through me. Um, I want to I answer a few questions just to kind of give you some background on James. The first one that I, I jotted down is, who wrote James? Now, how many of you like when you open to a book of the Bible and you think, Matthew, got it, that's who wrote it, you know, like, okay, Mark, yep, absolutely, you know, and this is one of those where it's named James because it's James who wrote it. Now, there was a James that was a disciple, uh, but this is talking about James, the brother of Jesus. How many of you would love to be the brother of Jesus? You know, I heard somebody say one time where Jesus was the older brother, he was the, you know, the first brother, and he has all these brothers, and you know, can you imagine the, the conversations about why can't you be more like Jesus? And why can't, you know, like, why can't you obey like Jesus? And why can't you, you know, and, and I know I'm kind of being funny. I don't think that's what, you know, I don't think Mary did that at all, like comparing them, you know, because none of us do that either. We don't compare our kids at all. But, <laughs> but it's good for you to know that James was the younger brother of Jesus. And most theologians believe that James did not even become a believer until after the resurrection. So we're talking about somebody who lived with the Son of God and did not believe until after the death, burial, and resurrection of his older brother. And then he steps into faith and a little bit later writes this letter that most believe was probably in the late, you know, 80, 40s, maybe the early 50s. But um, one thing that I found uh, I found interesting is just some historical information. Uh, James was actually hated. He was a, so James was a, a pastor, a leader, whatever you want to call it, of a church in Jerusalem. And James was hated so much by the Pharisees in Jerusalem that they eventually killed him. They eventually killed him. Now, doesn't that sound familiar? That when Jesus was walking on the earth, that there was a group of people that hated him so much and what he stood for and how he was changing the world that they killed him. And James had become apparently so passionate about getting the message of Jesus out and leading this church and leading these people in the direction that God wanted for their lives that they eventually killed him after he wrote this letter. Um, one thing that is interesting about James is as you read through this letter, and, and many of you probably have, uh, James doesn't suggest anything. He, he commands things. This isn't like a, so as you read through James, this isn't going to be like, if you feel like it, this is what you should do. <laughs> James just cuts right, I mean, he just goes right at it, and he's like, this is what you need to know, and this is what you need to do, and this is how you need to be living your life. And so that's what I love about James. I love the directness of what James wrote. And so uh, James was writing to, who was the letter written to? Um, obviously, it tells us in the beginning, I think it's Jewish Christians 
uh, Christian Jews who had been scattered outside of the land that was given to them, outside of the, the land that was promised to them and where they were supposed to be. Some translations use the, word, the term uh, dispersion, which, which is a word that is used to describe the Jews that were living outside the land of, of Palestine at the time. Why was James written? I think that James is speaking to some situations, as we're going to see as we go through this, and a lot, a lot even in chapter 1 that we're going to get to today, where James is speaking directly into some situations. And I jotted some down. Temptations, trials, testing, catering to the wealthy, how you, how you speak, you know, and the list could go on and on and on. And then I began to think to myself, does this sound like anything that anybody else struggles with at all? I mean, temptations and trials and testing of your faith and all of these things that we deal with. Come on, am I the only one at church today that's like, hey, I can relate. And so James is writing this letter that I think is so important for us today to grab a hold of and apply to our lives. I think the, the theme of James can kind of be summed up overall in, in two words, really, and it's Christian maturity. Christian maturity. Um, I think that we're going to find out as we go through this series, we're going to see what it looks like to be a mature Christian. To actually walk it out, live it out, apply these things to our lives. One commentator made this statement. He said this, too many churches are playpens for babies instead of workshops for adults. I'm going to say that again because it's so good. Too many, I read that and I was like, you know, like slap you in the face right there. Too many churches are playpens for babies instead of workshops for adults. And I think as we go through the book of James, what I want you to do is I want you to examine your heart. I want you to take inventory of what's going on inside of you and where you're at to discover, you know, where you are spiritually in your Christian life. Are you struggling? Are you mature? You know, what does James mention that you know you struggle with? Because chances are you're going to find yourself somewhere and maybe multiple places. And what my hope is and my prayer is for you is as we go through this letter, that there will be moments where you read something that God's Word says and you think, I need that to change me. Not, I want to change that. But I need that to change me. I need that to become who I am. I need to get that in me. All right, so I'll give you this statement, and then we're going to jump into several verses as we go through chapter 1 today. But I think this is something important to remember, that whenever we get serious about our spiritual growth, the enemy gets serious about opposing us. And some of you have been facing opposition and it doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing anything wrong. Maybe you stepped into a season where you thought, I need to start growing. I need to start maturing. I need to start doing something to activate my faith. And whenever you get serious about your spiritual growth, the enemy will get serious about opposing you. But listen, you're on the winning side. If God is for you, who can be against you? And so we just have to keep pressing on, following Jesus, being faithful, leaving the results to him. And just being faithful with what it is God has for us to do. So here we go. James chapter 1, uh, jumping into verse 2. We'll read verses 2 through 4. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Um, right off the bat, I think that we get this beautiful picture of what Christian maturity looks like and in verse 4 if you noticed it 
James uses the word being perfect or you will be perfect and complete. And this word can actually be translated in the original language as mature. In other words, everything that James has set up to this point, he said, this is what it's doing. It's leading you to maturity. And I love that James begins with this because this is one of the hardest things for us to do. I mean, has anybody ever struggled with this right off the bat? He says, I love the way that the Amplified says it. It says, consider it nothing but joy when you face these things. And this is one of the most difficult things for us to do. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time that you were walking through a situation with a family member or something going on in your life and you stopped and you thought, you know what this is? This is a great opportunity for me to have joy. When was the last time that you were walking through something difficult and you stopped and you're like, wait, 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 wait. I'm so joyful. Because I'm walking through something hard. And this is a trial and this is a testing of my faith and I am so... Come on, when was the last time you were like, you're talking with your friends, you're like, you know what I'm excited about? Trials. <laughs> you, know what I'm, you know what gets me up in the morning? My faith being tested. You know, that, that's just, that's where it's at right there. But James is making the point that you need to consider it nothing but joy whenever you face these things. Why? Because it's maturing you. Listen, some of us are trying to pray ourselves out of situations that God's trying to use to mature us. Because we don't like the process of being matured. And so we're walking through something and our faith is being tested. Come on, has your faith ever been tested? And you're walking through something and it's difficult. And we're like, God, get me out of this. And God is like, no, I want you to grow up. Like, I want you to mature. I'm trying to do something in you right now. And so I'm walking with you through this. I'm not, not going to leave you right there in it. I'm going to walk with you through it. And we're going to grow and we're going to mature. And James would tell us, you need to consider it an opportunity for great joy whenever you face these things. Because it's maturing you. It's helping you grow. The testing of your faith through experience, it produces endurance. And it says this endurance leads to spiritual maturity. And the way you handle your faith being tested can show spiritual maturity or a lack of it. I think one of the, one of the baseline things is whenever your faith is tested, how do you react? When your faith gets tested, where, what do you do? What do you say? How do you respond? I think it shows us a picture of, not in a condemning way, but maybe an area of our life where we need to mature and grow and ask the Lord, hey, will you help me in this area? Because I don't respond in the way that I know you would want me to. Look at the next few verses, verses 5 through 8. He goes on, he says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person divide, with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything that they do. You ever found yourself in a, in a place where you were unstable? Like your, your loyalty was divided between God and the world? And it was almost a place like one day you kind of lean toward God and the next day you kind of lean toward the world. And, and I love this, these few verses, and we talked about this a few weeks ago. We talked a lot about wisdom. 
And so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this. But what I think is important to point out is that James is referring to wisdom really to guide us through decision making and circumstances in life. He says, if you, if you need wisdom, you have, there's something going on. Come on, he's just talked about trials and testing of your faith and, and, and leading to spiritual maturity. He says, and if you need wisdom, if you need to know what to do, if you need to know what direction to go, he says, ask God. Ask him, and he will give it to you. Um, the people that James was writing to, obviously, they were going through some situations, and he speaks straight to the wisdom that they probably felt like they were lacking. That we find ourselves in this position. We find ourselves in this region. We find ourselves scattered. And we need wisdom. And he says, you know what you need to do? If you feel like you're lacking wisdom, you need to ask God for wisdom. And I love that. That's a couple of things that, man, James tells us about wisdom. He tells us who to ask for it. He says, go to God for it. And he tells us how to ask for it. He says, you got to have faith. you got to believe and not doubt that God has the wisdom that he can give you and that he wants to give it to you. You gotta have faith. Don't be, don't, don't come into it thinking like, well, like a lot of times we come in. You ever came into a prayer with a backup plan? <laughs> I'm gonna pray about this, and just in case God doesn't do what I think he needs to do, here's my plan B. And James says, no, when, when, like if you need wisdom, ask God for wisdom. And when you go into that, don't ask being divided. Don't ask being double-minded, but, no, but believe, believe, have faith that God is who he says he is and that he can do what he says he can do and that he'll do it for you and that he wants, I love how James points out that God is generous, like generous, he wants to give it to you. So have the faith to believe that God wants to lead me and guide me and give me this wisdom. And the wisdom that we need in our lives, it can only come from God. So we have to go to God to get it. Have faith, don't doubt. James makes the point that, you know, someone who goes to God asking for the wisdom while doubting whether or not God is going to help or, or even can, that that person shouldn't even expect to get anything from God, right? And the problem isn't, I love this, the problem isn't with God's ability or willingness. The problem is with our double-mindedness. It's not that God is not able it's not that God's not willing. I mean, James says he's generous and he will give it to you. But when you ask, have faith. Make sure that your faith is in God, not in a circumstance changing. Like your faith can't be locked into, I'm hoping that God gets me out of this or that God gives me what. No, like my faith is in God and I believe in him and I'm focused on him. I'm following him and I know that he's going to give me the wisdom that I need in this situation. He goes on, verse 9, believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them, and those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a little flower in the field. The hot sun rises and the grass withers. The little flower droops and falls, and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all their achievements. How many of you know that everything that you achieve and everything you accumulate on this earth, that you can't take it with you? I mean, there's nothing that you've accumulated here that you've stored up here that's going with you. That's why Jesus said, store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Like, use, leverage what you've been given to store up for yourself treasures in heaven where it will be waiting on you. Not here on the earth. And I love this, this contrast between, you know, it says there's, you know, believers who are poor have something to boast about for God has honored them. And those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. And then he goes on and he says, they will fade away like a flower of the field. In other words, 
them and all of their stuff and their achievements and all that, like it's going to fade away. It's going to fade away. That's why the person that is in a humble situation should boast in the fact that God is lifting me up, God is building me up, that, that God is my sustainer, that God is my provider. And the person that has more than enough and has everything that they need, they should, hum- they should boast in the fact that God has humbled me and he has reminded me that none of this is mine, that he gave it to me. And I didn't get myself here. And I don't, wanna, I don't want all of my things and everything that I've done with my life to just pass away. I don't want to be a person that just passes away as the wind blows. Because I was so reliant on everything that I had. Everything that I could do, everything that I had achieved. He says, no, that person needs to boast in the fact that God humbled them. How many of you have ever been in a situation where God reminded you? You didn't do that. I did that. You didn't achieve that. I achieved that. I worked through you to make that happen. I worked through your submission and your obedience. And sometimes we find ourselves in a place where we begin to rely on all of our things more than we rely on God. And many of us could probably say, even today, we're in one or two of these camps. But some of us in the room today can say we've been in both. Like, there was a time when it was like, man, I knew that God was all that I needed, and he was all that I had, and if he hadn't come through, then we weren't going to make it. And so God was the one who was sustaining me. He was the one that was, that was lifting me up. And then, you know, through God's blessing and hard work and all these things, and we found ourselves over here, and sometimes we have a tendency to start relying on our things. And we get comfortable, and we feel like, well, I don't need God as much. I don't, I don't need God as much over here. And back over here, I was constantly praying. Over here, I don't really feel the need to pray all that much. I don't want to be someone who just fades away with all of my achievements. I want my trust to be in God. All of our achievements, they're going to fade away. Our wealth is going to fade away. Our identity and security can never be in those things. And there's so much more to life than stuff. And I want to challenge you with this, and then we'll go to the next verse. But our focus needs to be on eternal things. What would it look like for you to make the shift in your life to where your focus was on eternity? Eternal things. Kingdom things. Not on building my own, but how can I build God? Everything I have has been given to me so that I can use it to build the kingdom. So that I can use it in the way that God wants me to use it. So that I can use it, I, I go to him and I ask him, what do, you, what do you want me to do with this? How do you want me to use it? How do you want me to leverage it to bring you glory? I want to single out the next verse. It's verse 12. It says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. How many of you have patiently endured? A lot of us in here would say, like, I've endured. <laughs> if I was to ask, how many of you have, have endured temptation and, and trial and testing? Most of us have endured, but he adds one little word in there. God blesses those who patiently endure. Patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And what I would like for that to say is before. Before I go through anything... I want to receive everything. 
And God says, no, there are, there are some things, there is a crown of life that God has promised that after you have endured some things in life, how many of you know that in life you're going to have to endure some things? Jesus said in this life you're going to have trouble, but take heart for I have already overcome the world. So we don't have to worry about it. But man, you, like, things are just hard sometimes. You just have to endure some, some things sometimes. And James is encouraging us like patiently with expectant hope in God. Walk through those things. Endure those trials and those testings. Knowing that, hey, there's going to come a day when I'm going to receive the reward that God has for me. He has it for me. And here's, you know, James is, is pointing out someone who's going to be blessed by God. But here's, here's what I think our struggle is a lot of times. I think our struggle is that we're American Christians. And we see blessing differently sometimes than what the way God sees blessing. So some of the things that I jotted down here, I think sometimes we often interpret blessing to mean the car, the house, the spouse, the job, the raise, external things. That here's what God's going to do for me. God's going to give me that new car. And he can. But what if he don't? Well, God's going God's gonna to do this, and, and he can. But sometimes we get so focused on external blessing that we miss what God is really wanting to do when he says, this, this is the type of person who's blessed. This is the type of person who's happy. This is the type of person who is fulfilled. Sometimes our, our interpretation of blessing, I think, is different than God's. I like the way that one commentator said it. He made this statement. A true blessing is a God-given capacity to experience, enjoy, and extend His goodness in life. So we can say it this way, a true blessing is a God-given capacity to experience his goodness in life, to enjoy his goodness in life, and to extend his goodness in life. This is what it means to be truly blessed. God's blessing isn't always necessarily about external things as we like to think of it sometimes, but we need to see God's blessing as something that changes us internally. It's something that God does inside of us. And we should consider it nothing but joy when we face trials because trials can open the door for God's blessing. Not only is it leading us to maturity, but it's also opening the door as we patiently endure, as we keep our faith in God and we walk through the things that we're walking through. It opens the door for God's blessing. Let's look at the next few verses, 13 through 15. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. The first thing that I think we need to understand here is that God is not tempting you to do wrong. God is not tempting you to do wrong. It says, God is never tempted to do anything wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. God is not tempting you. God is not putting evil and sin in front of you to say, let's see what they do. 
God's not tempting you to walk down that path. But as humans, we like to blame. Come on, is anybody with me? Don't, let, don't leave me feeling alone up here on this platform now. We like to blame, and so we look for somewhere that we can place the blame. And so sometimes we blame God, but other times, you ever made this statement? Well, the devil made me do it. <laughs> really? <laughs> the devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. Well, I wouldn't have done that if the devil hadn't made me do it. Maybe you just like to do it. Maybe you just struggle with saying no. Like, did you see what, I think it's verse 14, temptation comes from our own desires. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. Isn't it true that the, the easiest person to lie to is you? The easiest person for you to lie to and justify things to, and well, it's not as bad as what it might seem to other people, is you. We could say it this way, you like to lie to you. I like to lie to me. It is easy for me to lie to myself. And James is saying it is your own desires they entice you and they drag you away and then he says and here's what happens those desires cause you to turn it into action sinful action and when that sin is allowed to grow it'll kill you it always brings death it always brings death well i'm still sitting here today i'm not necessarily talking about you physically dying but on the inside, it'll eat you alive. It'll eat you alive. Hebrews 11.25 makes mention of how sin is pleasurable only for a season. But Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death so sin is pleasurable for a season i, I heard a, a pastor say it this way one time he said has anybody ever enjoyed sin and of course everybody's like you right now it's like i don't know if i can raise my hand on that or not he said if you like if you didn't enjoy sin you were probably doing it wrong <laughs> just lighten the mood for a minute but sin is only pleasurable for a time and then the bill comes due. And I love the wording of Romans 6.23 that the wages, what you're going to get paid for sin, what's coming to you for sin is always death. It's always death. Yet we struggle so much with it. And we will lie to ourselves to justify the sin that we're in. Our own desire that has dragged us away. Enticed us and dragged us away. And now we feel like we're dying on the inside. Because we gave in. We started walking down that path. But boy, I got some good news for you today. 
that doesn't have to be your story. And even if you've walked down that path, it doesn't have to stay your story. You can turn and begin to go the opposite direction today. You can turn around. We have to be reminded that the ultimate result of us giving into temptation and, and leading to this sinful action is always death. Look at verses 16 through 18. He says, so, so he's just talked about temptation. He's just talked about how, you know, it leads to action. You're enticed, you're dragged away. It leads to action. That action always leads to death. And he says, so don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. I love that, how he gave us his true word. Not only do we have the written word, but John chapter 1 would tell us that Jesus was the word. Jesus is the word. That in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So not only did, did God send his only son to take our place, but then he inspired all of these people to pin all of these letters and all of these books, as we would call them, of the Bible so that we would be able to look in here and know what God desires for our life. Know who God is and what he says about us. And I think that when we face temptation, because he's just talked about temptation and how God is not tempting us. He said, no, listen, every good and perfect gift is coming down to us from God. I think that sometimes we just need to shift our focus. When you face temptation, just three things that I see in just these few verses, really just two of these verses, is that we need to shift our focus. We can focus on these things when we face temptation. The first one is God's goodness, that every good and perfect gift is coming from God. God is always good. He can never be anything but good. If we could ever just wrap our minds around that, it would just be transformative. That God is always good. Yeah, but I'm walking through something hard right now. God's goodness is not dictated by your hard situation. What you're walking through is not a prerequisite for how good God is. God is always good. He cannot be anything but good. So we need to remember God's goodness. The second thing is God's faithfulness. It says he never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He is God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. He's just as faithful today as he was back then. There's a song that's out right now. It came out earlier this year, whatever. talks about that he's the same God. And it goes through all these scenarios. The same God that was with Moses is the same God here today. The same God who saw David through is the same God with you today. The same God who, 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 who did all of these miraculous things when you read the Gospels is the same God with you today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, so we can remember his faithfulness. And here's, uh, I love the way that the Amplified Bible reminds us that he's the creator and sustainer of everything. He creates it all and sustains it all. And here's the third thing I think that we can shift our focus and remember is God's word. It says he gave us his true word. He gave us his true word. And what would happen in your life if every time you faced a temptation... You begin to think about God's word. You begin to think about God's goodness. You begin to think about God's faithfulness. And you just reprogrammed 
your mind to say, you know what, I'm going to think about these things. I'm going to think about these things. I'm going to think about these things. When I'm in the middle of something, when I'm facing something, when my own evil desires are enticing me and trying to drag me away, now I'm going to refocus on God's word and God's faithfulness and God's goodness. Because he's always good. He's always faithful. And he said his word's not going to return void. Verses 19 through 21 goes on and says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. This um, verse 19 would be one that we would like to just skip over. And here's what, this is just what I felt like the Holy Spirit impressed on me as I was reading through this again, that we tend to hear but not really listen. Anybody ever heard but you didn't listen? Here's another tendency that we have. We have a tendency to speak too much. Anybody, anybody ever just spoke too much? You just said too much? I mean, there was an awkward silence and you were like, you know what I'm about to do? I'm about to feel this awkward. I'm about to say something. Because we're not about to sit here in this awkward silence. Like, I'm about to say something. We need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and then here's the last thing. We get angry because we don't understand. And a lot of times we get angry because we don't understand because we, we heard but we didn't listen and we spoke too much and so we didn't get the knowledge and we didn't get the understanding and so it leads us to anger and frustration. And he says we need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Why? Because human anger, human anger, does not produce the righteousness that God wants for you. Anger is not a sin. Be angry, but do not sin. But human anger, selfish anger, that, that doesn't produce the righteousness that God desires. You ever thought back on a, a situation in your life and you had this thought? <laughs> this is the way, this is the, this is the, the GMT, the Gabe Miller translation. And you quoted this verse to yourself and you said, you know what I should have done? I should have listened more, shut up, and not got angry. I should have listened more, shut up, and not got angry. If I'd have listened more, then I wouldn't have been so inclined to speak, and had I not been so inclined to speak and not listen, then it wouldn't have led to the frustration and the anger that I'm feeling now. And a lot of times, if you're like me, come on. If you're like me, a lot of times we do this backwards. We get angry, we start saying a whole bunch of stuff, and then we're like, oh, maybe I should listen. And since we didn't listen and be slow to speak, and slow to get angry, a lot of times we get it in reverse. And then it comes full circle and we're like, huh. Hmm. If I would have listened and been a little slower to speak, a little slower to get angry, then maybe this situation would look differently right now. We got to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. In verse 21, it talks about 
accepting God's word that was planted in our hearts. And then James says this, he goes on in the next few verses. He says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. God will bless you for doing it. What's interesting to me in these verses is that James doesn't necessarily emphasize the reading and the hearing as much as he emphasizes the doing. The reading is important, the hearing is important, but he puts emphasis on the doing. And he says, if you're not doing what you're hearing and what you're reading, you're really only fooling yourself. The emphasis is on the doing, and James is making the point that if we don't actually do something, we're fooling ourselves. I love that, I was thinking about this over the last few weeks, how we're a church that, I love that a lot of times, you know, you guys will talk back, all right? So, you know, there'd be an amen here, there'll be an oh me here, you know, I don't know. Like you'll, you know, amen, or that's good, and I'll have, and I'll have people that will, that will come up, and, and, this, and this is fine, okay, this is fine. I'm not telling you stop doing this, this is fine, I love it. And people come up and be like, man, that was so good, and you know, the message is going, man, that was, whew, that was powerful, that was powerful. And here would be my question, what did you do? If God was speaking something to you, what did you do? Because James says, if you hear it, and listen, it's not, this is going to sound bad. I'm just, I'm just giving you the word of God. I, like, if you, you don't have to like me. <laughs> I ought to say it like that. I'm trying to think of the right way to say this. It's like, you know, church correct. I don't know what, you, what term you want to put on it. But I just got to do what God tells me to do. And give you what I feel like God is telling me to give you. But, whoo, my prayer is that we would do something. Not just hear it and not just read it, but do something. Not just say, that was good today. Let's go to the Mexican restaurant. <laughs> you know? That's fine, go eat at the Mexican restaurant, but do something with what God is speaking to you. Man, something, something that's said, God just plants that in your heart, and the Holy Spirit's like, that's for you. Right there, that's for you. What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that? Because James is putting the emphasis on the doing. Like, don't just hear it, but actually do it. When was the last time you read your Bible, and then you walked out what it said that day or that week? Um, I, I heard a pastor make this statement. I can't remember how long ago it's been, but um, I heard this one time. And it's one of those things. You ever have something where you hear it and it just, like you just can't forget it? It just sticks with you. seems like forever. And he, he made this statement. He said, the Bible doesn't necessarily focus on deeper teaching. It calls us to deeper action. That the Bible says what the Bible says. God said what he's going to say. And this is a call to do something with it. That there has to be deeper action. 
there has to not just be deeper hearing and deeper understanding and deeper knowledge, but that you would take your understanding, you would take your knowledge, you would take what you've heard, and that you would say, Holy Spirit, help me to be able to use this this I want to use this this week. I want to apply this to my life this week. And then in verse 25, we see that same word for blessed that he already mentioned back in verse 12. It's not the listening that brings the blessing, it's the doing that brings the blessing. The person will be blessed who does it. You'll be blessed for doing it. Bring the worship team back. And here's the last, the way that chapter 1 concludes, the last two verses. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and, look at this, refusing to let the world corrupt you. Refusing to let the world corrupt you. He says, if, if you claim to be religious, if you claim to be following after Jesus, if you claim to be a Christian, but you don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself. And he's going to speak a lot about, you know, if, if you've read chapter 3, there's a lot there that James says about, you know, the power of what we say, the power of our tongue. But I just want to touch on for a moment as we end this today. Genuine religion. Genuine following Jesus and living this out. He says it's caring for orphans and widows in distress. And not letting the world corrupt you. And I want to, I want to say this and then, I'll, and then I'll pray for you. Not letting the world corrupt you. I believe that the only way, the only way for us to not allow, in, in other words, you have the opportunity to not allow it. You can allow it or you can not allow it. To not allow the world to corrupt us is we have to know the truth. You have to know what God's word says. You have to know what is true if you are if you are wondering what is true if you are not sure what is true then it is going to be difficult for you to not allow the because when things come at you you'll think well, i don't know that doesn't seem that bad well i don't know that kind of seems like well maybe you have to know what is true. We have, we have to be people. That's why I'm encouraging you during this series, even just this one book of the Bible. That doesn't have to be everything that you read, but let's at least read that and get in God's word because we have to know what is true. He says, you know what pure and true religion is? Part of it is not allowing the world to corrupt you. Not allowing the world to corrupt you. And here's the way that I wrote it down, I went, the way I felt like the Lord gave it to me. It was just that some of us have allowed the world to corrupt us. And today's the day to repent and begin to truly follow Jesus. Some of us, we find ourselves in a place right now where we have allowed the world to corrupt us. If you were to really think about your life, you're like, you know what? At one point, I didn't do this. At one point, I wasn't about that. At one point, 
I'd have never been okay with that. At one point, I was really seeking God and, and just, Lord, lead me today. And now I find myself just kind of, maybe even just a little bit, corrupted by things of the world. And here's the great news. Repent is not a scary word. Change your mind. Change your mind. Turn around and begin to go the other way. I've gotten off and I've allowed things in my life that I know shouldn't be there. And I've been walking this way. And today I recognize that I need to repent. I need to change my mind. I need to turn around and I need to begin to follow after Jesus. And now I'm going this way. Today's the day. Today's the day. Will you stand to your feet? I just want to pray over you and our, our prayer team today can go ahead and make their way down to the front here. We always like to have an opportunity for prayer, but I just want to encourage you with just even this last little bit that we talked about, because I really felt so strongly that even there may just be even one person that right now, you know, as, as the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now about what you've heard that you're just having the thought like I, I think I've allowed the I think I've allowed some things to corrupt me I've allowed things into my life that I that I know they don't need to be there and today I just need to come on this is today you just make the decision say I've, I've allowed this in my life and I know this isn't what God has for me, and I know this is not God's best for me, and I know this is not what His Word talks about, and so today, I'm just going to repent. And you just tell the Lord, even right where you are, you just tell Him, say, Lord, I repent. I've been going in the wrong direction. I've just kind of veered off even a little bit. And today, I want to get back on the straight, narrow path. So Lord, today, we thank you for your word and we thank you for speaking to us even individually like only you can Lord I pray that we would be people that are in your word people that know you intimately but don't just read and hear but that we do we do what your word says that we are people who are obedient Holy Spirit all across this room right now I just thank you I thank you that you are speaking so clearly to your people and as we sing this last song I pray that if there's anybody here we all need prayer from time to time if there's anybody here who needs prayer maybe even about something specifically in their life somebody to encourage them I pray that you would draw every person today who needs prayer for anything in their life in Jesus name